Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. <clears throat> Today, we bask in the light of Mustachial greatness, use motherfuckers, use. That is right, we are talking 1995's epic crime film, Casino. As we honor the legendary mustache that lays on the upper lip of the great L.Q. Jones. If you haven't seen Casino, I'd recommend giving it a watch before listening to this episode. But if you don't have 178 minutes to spare, that's okay. Feel free to just follow along with us. Without further ado, let's become a damn near savant at gambling. Manage a multi-million dollar casino. Fall for the blonde that has more red flags than all the Turkish flags in Turkey. Give her a key to our heart and a crap load of money in the bank. Then hold on tight when our car explodes in our face because we live in that OG gangster life, my boys. So who cares if we die in a Pepto-Bismol colored suit? Now play that shit theme song. It's the Mustachio Podcast. We're ready for the show. We'll watch moves, we'll make some jokes, and then we'll all go home. Navigating the legendary hairy upper lips. It's the Mustachio What is up? <laughs> it is your host of the Mustachio Podcastio, Daniel J. Segura. And today we are talking casino, as you heard in the code open that I haven't recorded yet. And uh, we are uh, we're honoring uh, the, the legendary uh, mustache. I always forget his name. It's coming to my head. L.Q. Jones. L.Q. Jones. Uh, he plays Pat Webb. He's got one scene uh, that's pretty pretty awesome and he's kind of sprinkled throughout the rest with this killer mustache and his squinty eyes you gotta love him reminds me of some of my family members uh for some reason there's a lot of squinty eyed motherfuckers uh in the segura family but anyway today i have with me a couple of cats a couple of guys like you know a couple of good fellas if you ask me a couple of wise guys Ooh, pun uh, you've heard them before on this podcast we got steve and we got chef robbie how is it going fantastic daniel it's it's great to be here I'm doing adequate. (laughs) And I'm the guy who brought LQ Jones to the podcast you. That's true. (laughs) You brought his legendary name to the show. Was that a, what was, what movie was that? Yes. Lone Mm. Wolf McQuaid. That was a good one. He's gonna. I'm pretty sure he's gonna come back again. He's he's been in some good stuff. You know, I'm, I'm I wouldn't be surprised. It's quality. So Casino, Steve, you actually recommended we talk about this film. Do you have a history with this film, or did you just kind of want to talk about it? Just whatever? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, I do have a bit of history with this uh, movie. Okay. Um, pretty much, uh, this is my all-time favorite movie. Went back and forth for a number of years between wow. Star Wars, the first wow. one, Goodfellas, and Casino. And it just eventually, I just landed on this as my all-time favorite uh, when it came out to theaters, I saw it six times, and then pretty much ever since then, I've had to have multiple copies on hand, ranging from like the two VHS cassette edition to the Laserdisc edition to the DVD <laughs> to the Blu-ray, nice. and of course, I got it on 4K last year, and then of course, it's on um, 
uh, a friend of the show, Eddie uh, Jefferson's Blood Bank for his show, The Bloody Bits Horror the Show. The Bloody Bits, yeah. And, and then, of course, you know, I got a digital copy with it, so it's on Voodoo for me as well. And then, of course, according to Chef Robbie, who is still trying to watch it on the Roku channel, <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> but, yeah, as also mentioning to this, um, you know, um, I guess a friend of the show, Tim Yobo, kept on calling this the lesser of uh, the Scorsese films between that and Goodfellas. So needless to say, I was not overly thrilled with him at that point. <laughs> so um, do you remember, like, how old were you when you saw, did you see this, like, when it came out or a little bit yeah. after? Yeah. Yeah, I was there opening day. Um, it Holy was, ni- yeah, well, it was 95. 95? So I did- yeah, I just graduated from high school and was starting in uh, college. So, oh, honestly, you know, I didn't have to ask for my parents' permission. Didn't have to sneak in to see an R-rated movie. So, I'm good. Well, I was 10. So, <laughs> you damn kids. <laughs> I was 10. I, 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 I want, well, for, before we could, uh, Robbie, how about you? Did you see this when it first came out? I'm I curious. did, but I was nearly 30. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, thirty's a good age, though. It's. I think it's. I think you could relate. This is a movie filled with old people. Um, I feel like the older you are when you watched it, the better you can relate to it. Because this movie is like, other than Sharon Stone, it's such an unattractive film. Other than all the lights and the glamour, because it's just a bunch of old fucks, you know, shooting each other and arguing. I'm just like, man, all these guys look like a bunch of soggy ball sacks. I don't even know what to do. But anyway, Robbie. So you were 30 years old. No, actually, I was about 27. But yeah, I was oh, okay. saw okay. when it came out. And um, <laughs> what did you think when you first saw it? Um, honestly, uh, I you know huge Goodfellas fan, and the diff- what struck me initially about it was well, this is like Goodfellas; it's, it's a spiritual sequel in a lot of ways. Hmm. But they're not having as much fun as it seems <laughs> like the, the gangsters are having a Goodfellas. Like this is a it's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. But it doesn't make looking. It doesn't make being a gangster look like a lot of fun. True. Um, true. Well, you don't want to be Joe Pesci, like an eighty-three at this. You know, just after <laughs> his brother got caught. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, I, I mean, I really like this movie. Joe Pesci's, I think, in his early fifties, right during uh, this this film. He's so older, and like, I, I just have so much trouble. I feel I feel like Ace is more of a realistic character because he rarely actually muscles anybody. He usually has people do it for him. But Nikki is like a tough guy and he looks like a garden gnome. And I'm just like, I would fuck (laughs) this old man up. (laughs) Like I I would be shocked if he beat if he beat me up, I would leave Vegas forever. I would never come back again. All right. And Daniel, he was forty two when he shot this movie. Oh, okay. He just looked fifty. It's yeah, a hard forty. He lived hard. a hard life. <laughs> he did. He did. Um, yeah, I. This is a film I'd seen. The Goodfellas. Um, this is a film I just never really saw beginning to end. I would always run into it on cable TV. I would catch like because it is a longer film, and I just never had a chance. And uh, this comes up a lot in this podcast, and it's the reason why I started it. Was I? It's a, one of those films I've seen a bunch of chunks of it, but I've never seen it all put together in one piece from beginning to end from the very beginning and it sucks because i never knew that's how it started the way it starts with the, with the <laughs> fucking guards it's one of those sunday afternoon movies like shawshank redemption it's like oh it's on i'll sit down and, and watch you just it. yeah you watch 30 minutes of it then you go and jerk off and 
continue with your day. Go to Academy and, you know, buy some sports stuff. And <laughs> you, you have Jerk a good one. Buy sports stuff. Nice. nice. <laughs> off, that's, some, that's some fucking American shit right there. <laughs> and so I never really seen it. I only knew from, like, people talking about it as well. So I, I, I could fill in the blanks. I kind of knew a little bit of – I knew the plot. I knew kind of what was going on. So this was really my first experience. I had to rent it twice because we were initially supposed to record. I, we've been changing this date a million times. It's been a rough <laughs> October, late and, uh, September for me. But we finally are together. I rented it twice, and I still backtracked a little bit just to kind of get back in the casino groove because it's just – it's such a fast – it. For it being a longer film, it doesn't feel too long. It moves pretty quickly. There's a lot of like quick stuff, you know. There's some scenes that are that drag a little bit, but for the most part, it, it was a pretty easy watch. And I will say, Steve, I, I'm not I'm not saying I don't like this film. I'm not saying I don't like <laughs> this film. It's definitely not it's I haven't seen all the Scorsese films, and I probably should do that. But and I do plan on watching his new film uh, this weekend, actually, while we're recording this. I'll be watching it this weekend. I can't wait for that. But yeah, yeah. I, was it? I actually, uh, no, I actually saw uh, the new one. Kill, Did you? Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. Excellent. It's a long one at three and a half hours. Oof. And oh, overall, the movie is great. Just there's one person in there that's just a glaring exception of it. And you know, I'll just leave that. You know, okay. You find out. Believe me, when it happens, you'll know it. <laughs> so, well, now, when I watch it, I'm going to see what, what, what did Steve see. I know. Uh, no, I'm gonna be trying to figure me, out the, sip, the trivia. Trust me, it'll happen. You'll recognize you'll know. where it actually comes in. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. While watching this, I think I just felt disconnect. I okay. So watching any film that has to do with gambling. I, I know how to play like Texas Hold'em poker and stuff. I've never been a big gambler, like whether it's horse racing or, you know, blackjack, any anything like that. I, it's never it's never really I have family members that are into it, but it, I, I just never really got into it. I've probably actually gone to a casino once. I've never been to Vegas. I just never had a chance to go when I was in my 20s because I was married and my ex-wife. That was definitely not her thing either. So we just never went to Vegas. I actually should go now that I'm older. I would probably be more responsible and not burn fucking $5,000. You know, I'd probably just burn $1,000. And, uh, and so I can't – I don't care. I don't care about your – like what happens in the underground. And I don't care about the, the mob running it. At some, it's cool. Like that's a cool concept. That's great. I'm glad they had the chance to do that. It's too bad they fucked it up. But <laughs> – I just it's just a bunch of old guys to be trying to they're from the streets and they're trying to run a business, but they just can't shake off the streets. That's kind of what it is. And I think what also kind of pisses me off is that Ace Ace really it's such great performances. They're all great performances. Mm-hmm. Ace's character, Robert De Niro did such a great job playing Ace. I I I know in the beginning he justifies the whole purpose of him being in love with uh ginger you know it's like hey i fell in love with her she's she's edgy there's just something about her and when you really trust them when you really love them you give them the key you know you give them the key to everything the things you care about most that's what he says in that beginning beginning narration and i just don't understand what got him to trust her that much literally the first time he sees her she's fucking eating like what the fuck (laughs) it just pissed me off throughout the film how many chances he gives her i gotta say I'm not saying I'd be willing to kill anybody, even though I do say I do joke about it a lot. But 
if I'm him in that character and I'm this guy that has connections, she would have been gone before she ever had a kid. I just have to say, she would have been gone. God. I, you know, for storytelling, that's his fatal flaw. It you is, know? yes. Yeah, and it's just part of his character and who he is, and, and that relationship is his downfall. Yep. Yeah, and yeah. at the same time, it's kind of – because yeah, because he is sort of a uh, – what's the word? A savant in yeah. gambling, and that's mm-hmm. what makes him so perfect for this job. And uh, honestly, his bosses did a great job picking him for the job, and he's also good at – he's he walks with – he's got a lot of respect to him. He's not he's not overly um, aggressive flashy. and flashy like the way mm-hmm. Nikki is. I think that's why they kind of bump heads eventually yeah. is – the very different way of showing their strengths. You know, they have different strengths. And he's all about the money. That's all he cares about, you know, yeah. is, is making the money and running the casino. Exactly. He wants everything in the up and up. It, yeah, there's gray. There's a gray area, but he's trying to keep a business going. Like, he does say mm-hmm. legitimate a lot. Like, we're just trying well, to do a legitimate thing. And I don't want to jump ahead too far, but that's a big part of it is, like, he's trying to convey to – uh, Joe Pesci and the other mobs just like look we're making more money that like we're having to use a dump truck to haul the money away we're making <laughs> you coming out here and fucking this up it's a fucking bitch man yeah, yeah it's like yeah you're robbing little stores and stuff but I make more in an hour than you make in a week and you're just bringing heat yes I, I, it's such a crux because you know I, I, I obviously probably grew up with a very different background than these guys, you know, wherever they, I'm not sure. Cause it sounds like Nikki Joe Pesci's character is doing some sort of a accent. And I'm not a hundred. He's not really doing a New York accent. What is that? Chicago? It, it, no, it's a, well, it's a Midwest accent. So, you know, okay. Chicago, Wisconsin. And okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. It, pretty much with like the story, uh, it was a Nicholas Pelicci, uh, wrote the original book and he wrote the screenplay with Scorsese. Um, when, Critics and you know historians actually talk about you know Casino and Goodfella as they say that even though they're adapted from a true story, they are about as close to the actual story as you can get. Wow! You know, like um, later in the movie when you know talking about, uh, I'll just give it away. You know, like uh, when they threaten to take uh, you know Sam's kid, you mm-hmm. know, away with him. They actually now that actually did happen in real Holy life. They shit. ended up taking her to London for like two months. And so probably at the point where he was calling uh, the bosses back home, he was probably at that level of desperation that yeah. he needed to do something to get uh, get her back. And speaking of which, with was Sharon Stone as Ginger? For years, I honestly hated Sharon Stone just because of this movie. She's and so good in it. I, yes. That's right. And one day I just finally realized, like, oh, my God, she did such a good job of making me hate her in the movie that I hated her in real life. I mean – that's just brilliance. I just, I still hate James Woods. I'll just put that. Out. Uh, oh, yeah. James Woods plays a a dirt bag better than anyone I've seen in a long time. He he didn't even have to say words to know he was a dirt bag, which yeah. is and, so great. And the mustache, you know, for him, that pencil thin, <laughs> just sleazy pimp mustache, yeah. just that it was perfect for him. Yeah, he was perfect in that part. Yeah, you know, that is the role of a lifetime for him. I think. Yeah, he does such a great job of playing that guy. To where I felt zero remorse watching him get beat up, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. midway in the film. I'm like, "Oh, this is great!" I was hoping to get him. Yeah, come on, get him in. Come on, that wasn't hard enough. Yeah, put us put some hip into it. <laughs> but yeah. 
But yeah, so the whole because really what this comes down is you're right. It, this is before it's a, a gangster film or a mob movie. It really is a film about relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, h- him having known Nikki for thirty some odd years. I think he says thirty five years or something, and him falling in love with with Ginger. It's 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 how the it's like the influence of what relationships have on your everyday life and how they affect you. If he didn't have either of those people in his life and he just kept everything black and white and just business as usual, he would he would have had all the money in the world and would have never had any issues come up and never have it as much stress as he's dealing with, except for you know, whenever uh, Jim Bob pisses him off or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Who, by believe- the way, was another great casted person. Perfect. That was. I-, I can't believe they got Joe Bob Briggs for it, too. And yeah, I think I said like- Jim Bob. I meant Joe Bob. <laughs> yeah, Joe Bob Briggs, yes. I don't yeah. I don't know how Joe Bob Briggs ended up in the movie, but I do know that a lot of the characters, uh, you know, like the cameos you see of Tommy, um, one of the Smothers Brothers, you have Don Rickles, you've got Alan King, yeah. you've got a lot of these actors. <laughs> uh, these were all guys who did... Uh, Vegas acts back in the time period. Oh, okay. Frankie Avalon's in there. Right. And so these were all, and they brought it, part of what they brought was like, they had real stories. They could tell the real stuff of what was going on. I love that. I love that exchange. It's like, hey, you know, give me a little insight as to how I'm going to make this film. I'll throw you in. You'll get a couple of shots. We'll (laughs) we'll give you some lines. I I would do that. If someone wanted to do a movie about the South and I grew up in San Antonio, I'd be like, yeah, I'll offer some stuff as long as I could be like uh, fucking one of the bottles just shooting up. (laughs) (laughs) One second, zoom it on your face. (laughs) Unload the clip on somebody. Um. Yeah, like I I enjoyed seeing all these different characters and none of them, you know, all of them are kind of perfectly none of them stick out too much and none of them are boring. Like everyone kind of does. And I think maybe that's why like Tim feels like um, it's not as a enticing film because there aren't any, no one feels like a cartoon character. They all feel kind of like real people and that can be not as exciting or not as, you know? Yeah. But Tim called called it outtakes from Goodfellas. Oh God. Yeah. That's disrespectful to the film. Goodfellas is in New York. Mm. Yeah. That's why he loves it so much. He's probably jerking off to it right now. Hey, everyone. Dave here to tell you about my show, Cryptic Cocktail Party. Looking for a good time filled with laughter, intriguing tales, and a splash of the supernatural? Well, maybe I can help. Every week, I bring on a rotating cast of guests to have a few drinks, share a few laughs, and take a dive into the unknown. Join us as we raise our glasses and tell the tales of some of the world's most famous cryptids, from the legendary Grafton monster to the elusive Dover demon and the enigmatic Mothman. But that's not all. Our party spills over into the world of the extraterrestrial, encounter the spine-chilling Flatwoods monster, the mischievous Hopkinsville goblin, and uncover the truth about infamous alien encounters. You need a dash of mystery? We got you covered. Delve into mind-blowing conspiracy theories such as the infamous Philadelphia experiment and the secrets hidden within the Denver airport. Cryptic Cocktail Party is a weekly comedy podcast that guarantees laughter, curiosity, and a few surprises along the way. Cheers to the unknown. Yeah, like he's ever going to venture out of Brooklyn again, Jesus. I don't like he can get a phone anymore. (laughs) (laughs) He's been down by the island. (laughs) 
Uh, if this is someone's first listen to the Mustachio podcast, they're like, who is this Tim guy? This guy sounds like a real garbage piece of yeah. shit. Trust me, you don't want to know. <laughs> Look up Tim Yobo. He's been on plenty episodes. You'll find a bag. <laughs> You'll hear a bag. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Volcano bag. But, yeah, like he um, – I, I feel like Scorsese just did a great job of, of, of working with the right people and being able to tell this story and giving it the, the proper attention, obviously, you know, it, 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 it being a little bit longer. I did, even though I was saying early on, the reason why initially it, it doesn't really get me going is because I'm not a big into like Vegas gambling shit. I liked the whole insight. I like shit like that. I mean, I like watching how it's made and shit like that. Like, (laughs) I like the whole going back into the back where they're getting all the money and him, like, pointing out shit. Like, I love that scene where um, he first gets the job. I love that uh, because initially years back. Yes, yeah. And and you get to see all the way back there. And he's talking about um, some of the multimillionaire, like the big gamer guys that come through. Yes, the whale. Yeah, yeah like K.K. Ichikawa. <laughs> yes. Which is based on a true story. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, oh, that really happened? Where? Yeah. Yes. yeah. yeah it did. It, the Yakuza was not happy with him losing their money. <laughs> that guy died, dude. Yes, he yes, did. He did. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to be laughing at it, but it's just like that's that. Well, first of all, you should know better. Yeah. You should know better. You're playing with the devil's money. Mm-hmm. By the way, I feel like LQ Joe. I know we're bouncing around, and, and if you haven't watched this movie, fuck off. Go watch the movie. What are you doing? Yeah. You're fucking around. I should have waited this hey, long to watch this. Stop. Go watch the movie. We'll yeah, stop. Go watch the movie. Welcome yeah. back. It's been two and a half hours. It's now two a.m. <laughs> if you watch it on the Roku channel, it's four and a half hours. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, take a take twelve Benadryl. See how long you can stay up. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't do that. That's very dangerous. Right, I was just take six, six. <laughs> I was listening to a podcast, a little tangent. I was listening to a podcast and apparently there was a trend or a challenge. You know, these kids, they call them challenges. You take 16 Benadryl and oh, um, you see a uh, hat man, you know, this, it's this uh, uh, sleep paralysis uh, entity that people okay. have described and if you take 16 apparently you have a better opportunity to see hatman and they they did a survey of people that have done it and hatman was like third or fourth ranked i think of first was like spiders and insects or something like apparently it makes you hallucinate in the middle of your i don't want to see a bunch of spiders crawling around (laughs) so wait you want to see the babadook yeah exactly it's basically yeah the babadook Uh, and so I'm like, don't, why would anybody do that? Why I take two and I'm knocked out for fucking 12 hours. Jesus. Well, that, remi- that reminds me and this. This has nothing to do with the podcast, but if you eat nutmeg, you can get high from eating nutmeg, like the stuff in your spice cabinet, but it's supposed to be the worst high in the world. Oh. And one of the things that comes with it is existential dread, a feeling that the world is going to end. And I, like, <laughs> I'm not. That's not how I want it. That's. I'm not going to choose that. So, know, me and, so, so me and Steve on the daily, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, exactly how much nutmeg do you need to take? Because you know... I don't know the specifics, but yeah. Well, what good is it then? <laughs> the podcast is the nutmeg of podcasting, man. I'm telling you, if you've made it this far, be ready. <laughs> Some shit's about to go down. Uh, <laughs> so, thanks for that little tidbit, Robbie. That was a good little. Little fun facts right there. Feel free to sprinkle those throughout a 
but yeah, that doesn't well, seem like a whole lot of fun, mind casino. you. <laughs> hey, it's casino. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I mean, I I forget how. What's kind of amazing is this was. It, I, I get it. It was a long. It was a while back. You know, seventies, eighties, whatever. But it's crazy. The eighties is not that long ago to know that it was basically being run by you know fucking mm-hmm. the mob like that is bonkers bonkers like i i can't imagine <laughs> i almost feel like it's so much more difficult to run it like that but that's what they know that's what they're good at it, it was probably going pretty well for a while i didn't know about i didn't even know what teamsters was until i was like 25 years old i didn't even know what a teamster was i had no idea that was like a this uh union workers union uh, right. thing and it turns out they're huge and have been yeah there's a whole bunch going on that rabbit hole you should watch Hoffa or the Irishman or the Irishman yeah <laughs> it seems they seem to be uh, intertwined or at least co- mentioned a lot when it comes to uh, corruption and fun mm. stuff like that yes. yeah you know what are you gonna do <laughs> if, if you have anything where people are putting money in and you have positions and stuff like that it, it, it's hard to avoid it really is because if you didn't have ego like i feel like the mob could have still been running uh, i don't think they're listening to this i feel like they could have still been running vegas hey, who's this podcast you got? <laughs> hold on i gotta turn off my recorder yeah someone's listening <laughs> who's this taco bunch you're talking about <laughs> no come no. on they would say that they would uh this fucking burrito boy over here thinking he knows all this shit. Uh, but no, I feel like if it wasn't for the egos, they could have made it work. But there's just so it's just as soon as you have that power, it's so it's the same with a band. Like so many bands don't play too much into their careers because the egos get too big and they just break up. And that's kind of what if you see like both Nikki and Ace were both getting big and their egos were getting bigger and bigger, but in different arenas. And eventually yeah. it was, they were bound to clash. They were mm-hmm. just bound to clash. And it was funny. I was watching it uh, with my wife this evening and she pointed out something I hadn't noticed before, but throughout the whole movie, people are giving them good advice and they choose to ignore it. Yep. Like, oh, through, yeah. the, like through the whole movie, they're like, don't do this. And then they do it. And it's like, and like continually they are, someone is giving them good advice and they choose to ignore it. Yeah, that's the ego. Yeah. That really is the ego. You think you know better than somebody just because you have more money than them. That's tough. That was a lot of athletes, too. I think there's so many athletes that, like John Morant, you know, I'm sure someone's told him, hey, you probably shouldn't show your guns and stuff on Instagram. <laughs> like, you probably shouldn't do that. Yeah. And he's like, ah, get out of my, like, then they just kick you out because they have more power than you. They kick you out of their posse, and next thing you know, you're, getting fined and you're getting suspended for 20 games so it's like it just sucks that it's hard to listen to people when you're when you're way up high the the you know way up high the ladder so but yeah yeah, several people and i also do notice that two of like very two of the very important individuals i'm trying to think of their names i think it's um is it storm no it's not storm uh what was his name like two of the guys there's the guy that that gets the money that's skimmed off the top at the casino. Oh, he calls John, him, uh, uh, John Nance. Uh, that John was Nance. Guy to do it. Yeah, I know Nikki calls him like a Mormon motherfucker or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. this guy standing about it was a seven hundred thousand. Uh, this Mormon looking fucker. 
yeah, they take and, it to Kansas City, right, or something like that. Yeah, and, that's where okay. the mob is. Yeah, that's, that's about which is about as far as they could get to Vegas at that time without getting pinched. That's crazy. That's crazy. So all that happens in Italian grocery. All the bosses go there. They get their money on a monthly basis, which I can't imagine, like, getting that every month. Like, that is insane. That's yeah. insanity. And then um, – it, so that guy, he's not Italian. And then the other guy who's also not Italian, that guy, uh, Stone, Andy Stone, mm-hmm. that guy also gets fired. <laughs> it's like – it's kind of like they put these guys that are not a part of the family in these important positions because if shit hits the fan, they're like, well, we'll – Right, <laughs> right. They need they need somebody respectable to uh, like yeah. it was uh, Kevin Pollock as you know uh, it was a green. You That's know, right. It, mm-hmm. Res- respectable but expendable. Yes, <laughs> exactly. That's a that's. You know, that's a that's a dice. I think a lot of people would be willing to roll. It's like, well, you know, as long as I get my job done right and everything works out. But there's so many variables. There's like, I mean, those two guys were they were doing their job right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But because of other people's actions, they're the ones that get capped. Damn, that's a bitch. Mm. Mm. Here's one for uh, Stoney. <laughs> here, here you go, Stoney. This is for you. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, I, I love seeing that whole thing, how the business works and stuff. I love the narration in the beginning. Um, it kind of cuts down after a while, and then it pops up a little bit here and there. But I think it's a great – I think that's a great way of storytelling – Sometimes it can be annoying depending on the film, but I think here it makes a lot of sense. It, it kind of connects all the puzzle pieces and stuff, and it's cool to hear. It's a great way to get to know the characters without having to see them interact with anybody. You just kind of get to hear how they talk and what they're talking about and stuff like that. It's pretty obvious right away that Nikki is going to be the edgier, more fucking hardcore dude yeah. <laughs> pretty immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talking about digging holes in the in the desert and shit. <laughs> Take a half hour, forty five minutes, and for figure you know it's someone else could be coming around. <laughs> you dig so many holes, you could be there all fucking night. <laughs> That's dark, dude. <laughs> that is some dark shit. Yeah, I love I love his character. I, I think Joe Pesci just knocked this out the park. Like he mm-hmm. almost like arguably you could say he still he stole the show a little bit. Oh. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. He is amazing. I, I can't believe how this just he, he he's done a lot of stuff. He's pretty versatile too. Like I mean, I know people might say, like, yeah, he he does this, he does that. Like maybe he's not as versatile as some people would think, but I think he was able to kind of find a slightly different he's still a tough guy, but it's just a slightly different way. And also a little bit um in casino specifically, he's super loyal. And he tries his best to be as supportive to the people he cares about, the people he considers part of his circle. He tries to be as supportive as he can mm-hmm. uh, in his own way. He just has a lot of his own vices he's got to deal with, you know. He's supportive of them up until the point where he starts banging their wives. That's yeah. true. Well, I mean, that was through support. I mean, he was trying to help her out. She needed oh, a new yeah, sponsor. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good guy. What can you say? It's yeah, you know, he's helpful. Yeah. In this movie, listeners, sponsor means sugar daddy, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. It's like, because I caught that when she said, yeah, he's my new sponsor. It's like. Yeah. I mean. That seems now, a business arrangement. Now the sugar daddy is like social media. Like if you are 
you know, OnlyFans or something. Like, if you're an attractive woman back, I guess back then, you got sponsored by a very wealthy person who would then buy you stuff. But the, but they kind of always have that thing over your head, you know. And at least now, really hot women can just start their only their own profile and and attract a um, you know horny guys uh, like me and and then. <laughs> You go and you give them a couple of shillings every month, and they might make some money, you know. So at least now they don't necessarily have to be with a, an old guy. That I mean, could you imagine having to try having to kiss Joe Pesci? Oh God damn it, dude! He would have to be so fucking rich for me to fucking make out with his punk ass. Oh, that makeout scene, dude! My dick went in my body. All right, Daniel, how rich would I have to be to get you to make out with Joe Pesci? <laughs> Wait, so like you're paying me to? I'm paying you. I'm gonna be your sugar daddy. How much? <laughs> do I have to suck his dick or do we just kiss? <laughs> oh, you know, you're going to have to go the full nine, man. Yeah. The whole way? Wait, am I catching? or? <laughs> yes, yes, Ginger. How much is it going to take? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I got to take Joe Pesci's pecker. And I got to make out with him. Uh, oof, man. It's... Well- I, I'm pretty tight back there, so he'll go quick. I, I would say about it would be about two hundred million. Okay. Two hundred million, I'd let him Damn. fuck me. We've really gone far astray from. <laughs> okay, here, let me try to bring it back a little bit because I do have some interesting facts about Joe Pesci. Actually, bring us back yeah. out of earth. I'm here sucking Pesci's cock over here. Yeah, uh, nothing sex wise and such, but a couple of things that uh, Pesci did before he actually started uh, acting in movies and stuff. He was actually friends with uh, was it uh, Frankie Valley, and he introduced him to a guy by the name of. Bob Gaudio, uh, and it ended up, uh, he helped form the band, you know, um, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, for starters. Uh, also, mm-hmm. for six years, from 1970 to 1976, he was actually uh, in a comedy uh, uh, duo with uh, another guy from the movie, Frank Vincent. Yes. And, yeah, so uh, they were uh, Vincent and Pesci, and it was sort of an Abbott and Costello uh Double act inspired with Don Rickles style insult comedy. Holy shit. Yeah, so you have that. And also, he was involved with uh, uh, some of the older folks will remember uh, a model by the name of Angie Everhart for about eight years. So, yeah, yeah that's the clout Pesci had. Well, Damn. One, one more little bit. Uh, he was a song and dance band and was a singer. Uh, yes. Uh, did you catch who his guitar player was? Uh, very, very early. No, I did not. Jimi Hendrix. No shit. No shit. Whoa. See, you know, your fans are learning more about Mr. Joe Pesci, aside from you wanting to suck his dick for 200 million. All right, 20 million. He seems pretty cool. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) You are cheap. (laughs) Uh, The only trivia I have on Joe Pesci is that I read... (laughs) read one time that in um specifically in uh home alone 2 there's a part where kevin McAllister like he i think he he it's when he slips on the ice and he's trying to get out of that he's trying to get away from them to call the cops and he slips and then uh joe pesci grabs him and he was so in character he goes you little motherfucker you <laughs> like they're like yeah we can't Cut. Like we can't say that, dude. <laughs> when he was so in a, he was so mad at this kid, <laughs> he just started cussing at him. I'm like, holy shit! 
They're like, yeah, dude, you're supposed to be doing that gibberish shit that everybody liked in the first one. You can't just be cussing at this kid. God damn it. But I'm sure Macaulay Culkin was annoying as fuck at that age. Oh, yeah. Most oh, kids are. <laughs> Son yes, of a bitch. Yeah. But yeah, no. Um, <laughs> I do I do very much enjoy. I, I just I just have so much trouble. Like I mentioned earlier, like when we're first introduced, introduced to Ginger, she kind of has, because we're talking about the whole sponsor thing. She has this one guy who obviously has money. And he's like, she's asking for a little something, something, because like she was there and she helped him or whatever. And he's like, no, fuck that, blah, blah, blah. So then she starts throwing his chips everywhere. Like, that's fucking wild, bro. That's sounds, that yeah, would it, piss me off. He's mm-hmm. still in love. I know. Can you imagine? That's like seeing, that's the equivalent of me seeing someone like lighting a dude's car on fire and be like, you motherfucker, piece of shit. I'm just like, this magic moment. <laughs> While she burns his fucking car. You find out later that it was your car, wasn't it? God damn it. Eventually it's gonna be your car. Eventually <laughs> it will be. And I will be I will be honest, I do like a little a little grit to women <laughs> that I'm attracted to. I can't help it. I like Latinas, I like I like people a little darkness, a little edge to them, but at the same time, I I she has the kind of grit where not only does she have that, she also has – she's a um, – what do you call it? Like she just has that weaselly, like going to fucking lie to you and do it. It's oh, all about her. Yeah. 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 She, she's absolutely using you. It's Yes. It, it, mm-hmm. This is a very transactional relationship. And she agrees to it, but then once – I guess after a while, she just can't do it anymore. She, she wants – she wants the – some sort of balance of having some sort of self-respect but you basically you basically gave that up when you decided when you had that conversation when she has that conversation with ace on the couch and he convinces her to to be with him you know she does try to fight it she's like look i i don't think that's in the cards but he just was so into her man it's a shame and he was controlling and so like you know, he is bad- yeah yeah he their personalities did not work together because I think, I think, I think he felt the arrangement was perfect for him because he's like, oh yeah, I, I have this beautiful wife. Um, you know, eventually we'll get married and we'll have a kid, as they do in the film. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna know everything she's doing, and it's gonna be great. It's like having a Stepford wife or something. She's like a robot yeah. or some shit. But I yeah. think that's what leads her to because she didn't seem like she was as much of a, a drug addict early on. Like I'm sure she was doing some stuff but she really fell down in the the rabbit deep, hole and yeah. that down in the deep rabbit dark mm-hmm. hole of of drug addiction and she becomes because that's the thing you only get to see hot Sharon stone for like the first 30 45 minutes and then she just looks like shit more and more throughout well, the movie you know there is a rumor and i don't know if it's true or not but do you know uh who was in the early running to play the character before Sharon stone who Shall tracy Lords. Oh, Tracy Lords would have been great. Oh, yeah. yeah, but she was already too fucked up. They couldn't she get her. Too well known. Like she came uh, with baggage. Yeah. Oh, you know, baggage, underage <laughs> porn. You know, we all yeah. call it different things. Yeah, but that—that's the rumor. Is that Tracy Lords was in contention for that role? I know. Uh, she would have been. Yeah, she would have. Yeah, she would have been old enough at that point. She would have been of age. <laughs> Although there is no uh, nudity in this film. Very. 
very nope. little. So, yeah, it's only like with uh, Dick's mother's, you know, the woman he was with. You know, you see you're stripping oh, off in the background. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's and there's not too much. I, I think, isn't that a thing with Scorsese or am I wrong? He doesn't like too much gore, like too much blood and stuff, I don't think. Um, or is that because I just I, there's not a lot. I mean, it, other than in the very end, like there's not really a whole bunch. Even when they're shooting people, like it doesn't look. Yeah, like even it, when like uh, Green's partner gets shot, the woman there's just like a little trickle of blood out of the side of her mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty light. That's a shot too. Mm-hmm. I did notice that too because uh, that goes to show how great of a storyteller he is. He really doesn't use any sort of over exploitation of anything to sell a film he, he really does rely on storyline and acting. except for the f word yes <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. S word, yeah f word and certain um terms that are no longer considered to be uh pc yeah or like it's okay to say jew jew or jewish but it's the words around it that make <laughs> that can yeah. really make it real <laughs> <laughs> he really talks a lot of shit to Ace. Yet Ace always kind of takes the higher ground, and he never makes fun of him. I could think of a million insults for Nikki, and like this, he never, he never really retaliates. He just sort of takes it. But I guess because he knows there's they like a yes, yeah, there's a ceiling with this guy, and he's gonna yeah. just shoot me if I piss him off too much. And because was a Nikki was a made guy, and of course, you know, Ace wasn't. You know, yeah, because him being Jewish, so. Oh, yeah, that's kind of – I think that was the biggest reason why he wouldn't go up against and uh, Nikki for it. However, you know, things change. The way things turn out. Well, because I think I, even if I was the boss, if, if I was one of those fucking old meatballs uh, with the respirator, <laughs> if, if, if I was one of those, I'd be like, yeah, Nikki, is, he's made. He's done all these favors for us, but, but fucking Ace is u- much more useful. He's like he's much more useful. He's he's a multi the guy. The guy started a TV show. <laughs> he makes yeah. more money. Yeah, he makes not, them more money, and he's more reliable. He's not as volatile. Yeah, you know? even right. yeah. Was it even Nikki admitted you know, to a you know Ace could make more money for the bosses in one weekend than him heisting joints in a month? So even Nikki acknowledged yeah. it, and so it was pretty much undeniable. Yeah, it's a tough situation to be in. I think I think that's what causes the rift, you know. Mm-hmm. And and what better, you know? Uh, I'm not sure if y'all have ever had a close friend, you know, sleep with your partner or anything like that. But I did have that happen to me when I was young, though. I was like in, it was like eighth grade going into ninth grade, and I that's, had a. This is one of those reasons why I don't really care for women with grit. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she had a lot of grit. Yeah. In a big old slit. <laughs> you know, she, uh, um, but no. <laughs> Daniel's gonna be here all night. <laughs> I tried so hard to figure out if there was a word that would rhyme with grit. Um, but yeah, no. One of my best buds, and it's so funny because I think if you were to put us in the categories of either a Nikki or an Ace, I was the Ace of our friendship, and he was definitely the Nikki. Like this guy. He was one of those guys that would pick violence over that was yeah. violence first and sure. then everything else second, you know, yeah. and that was his style. And he was a tough kid, grew up in a pretty rough household and everything like that. And so he just had a lot of issues. And I think he always felt like me going, you know, us going through school together. I was always the one getting the trophies, the awards and stuff like that. And um, 
And I think he always was like, I want to get back at this fucker. But I, I think the best way to do it is I'm going to just <laughs> gonna fuck his girlfriend. And that's just the way it worked, baby. <laughs> I found out the summer going in. It was the summer. It was the summer going into ninth grade. And I remember that was around the same time I started my little punk band as a kid. I was yeah. like 14. And um, the first song I wrote was called Little Bitch. And it was about the Sally. Her name was Sally. I could say her name. <laughs> her name was Sally. By the way, horrible name. Who the fuck yeah. names her kid Sally? Uh, anyway, <laughs> no, no, his name was Carlos. Carlos. Yeah, Carlos, you classic Latino, classic name. But yeah, no, but they, you know what? I've mentioned this probably in older podcast episodes, but they stayed together. They had five kids, so hey, wow. it worked out. Yeah, they stay. They were on uh. and off throughout high school, like throughout. You know, my early 20s, too, but they eventually got married and had five kids. So, you know, so I guess it was the right choice. She she picked the Carlos route. I hope she's having a good time in their shanty. Anyway, so I. <laughs> hey, you don't seem that bitter about it. <laughs> but no, 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 they're doing good. They're doing good. Uh, I really don't know if they're doing good at all, but I'm, I hope they're doing good. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, I think there was that little bit of animosity, even though they were friends for so many years, I think Nikki was like, I can get back. Cause they, they showed little signs of the, cause she keeps leaning on him for, uh, as a support, you know, for support and advice and shit like that. Yeah. And, and he's not he, really the sort of guy you should lean on for. No, no. Cause he's kind of playing both sides a little bit at, at yeah. first. And everything comes with a price. It does. It does. And he, as he slowly started get, feeling more animosity toward Ace, I think it just became. It, eventually, he was like, "I, I, fuck it. I'm just gonna, you know, pick out, put up, put up, bring out my little pesky pecker and see what she can do." <laughs> Could you imagine? What does it look like? Do you think it looks like him? His. <laughs> I well, when I've thought about this before, Daniel, I've always um, imagined it. <laughs> you know, guys, I gotta go. Um, <laughs> I got stuff to do. I like the idea of like instead of talking about casino, we're just talking about all the main characters' penises. We're like, what do you think it looks like? Do you think De Niro's has a mole? <laughs> do you think it has the same accent as De Niro does, or did he try to mix it up? I guarantee you, so it's doing that squinty face. What about James Woods? <laughs> oh God, he has, oh, he has James the mustache Woods. and all. James Woods is not circumcised. That thing is a uh, hanging. It has a sore on it, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. you you pull that bitch oh, that back. Never and... <laughs> yeah, dude, that thing is not healed. Dude. Yeah, it's got dry dust inside it. It's just. <laughs> oh, James so are you Woods. talking about casino at all? Or is... <laughs> I, I like the way I think we've done yeah, a good fun. amount. <laughs> I think we're good. I think it's. I think the show's going pretty well so far. Yeah, this is fun. Mm. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, so basically, you know, he meets Ginger, they get together and, and stop me if I'm skipping anything major, Steve, but at what point do they get, don't they get married? They get married, right? They have like a big ceremony of shit. Yeah. It was, there. It, it was right after the conversation on the couch, ouch, but I think, uh, it took That's place right. almost a year afterwards because, uh, it was, uh, according to Nikki, uh, Ace had to have, uh, Ginger had to have the kid before they would actually get married. And that's so right. you know, that's why the ki- that's why the baby was there for the ceremony. So that's right. Yeah. So probably mid seventies that happened. 
That's insane, man. So it's like, and I, I guess I could see, you can see both ends. Yeah, like I'm not trying to color Ginger as this complete fucking crazy bitch. I mean, she, he all obviously, like we were talking about Ace's control issues, it, it didn't help. She was already in a bad place mentally. And mm-hmm. he, and, and, and then she has, we, we keep mentioning James Woods. So when he meets her, he finds out she has this weird James Woods has some kind of fucking magical powers to like get mm. Sharon Stone to want to keep doing stuff for him. Well, it's James uh, Woods. Uh, well, I, is it? Exp- I, I don't know if I'm misinterpreting this, but I always was under the impression that she he had been her pimp. Yes, and, it, and essentially, when she was a teenager, had brought her into the life. Yeah, uh, I think he kind of groomed her. Yeah. yeah, I believe she was 12 at the time, according to the conversation they were having on the phone uh, at the ceremony. While you know, she said that she was trying to say goodbye to him, a you know, little legged colt, 12 year old with braces and stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, so he's basically that's why he had that at hold of her, was that right? That's why mm-hmm. she couldn't cut him loose. Damn, that's cult like, dude. That's like cult, that's like cult leader guy. Yeah. She was like his, she, uh, he was like her cult leader and like, he could just kind of get her. Cause I mean, it's not like she was helping him get a car. She's giving this guy like thousands and thousands right. of dollars. That's not hers, by the way. She doesn't mm-hmm. make this money. Cause, uh, basically Ace gives her the arrangement. There's an arrangement. Steve explain the arrangement. What's the arrangement that they have together? All right. Well, it's never quite a uh, specified, but uh, it was a, he set her up with like almost two million dollars worth of jewels. They had the safety deposit box where she was the only one who had the key for it. And basically, the reason why you know, Ace found out was I think she didn't want to use any of her money to give you know, to James Wood, so she asked you know Ace for twenty five thousand. Yeah, and so and then that's when you know Ace got you know Nikki and a bunch of guys to you know go after. James Woods, you know, hence him getting the shit kicked out of him, which and was a wonderful scene. Which is, and at that point, really starts her spiral in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, where she goes from being kind of a a player and um, uh, you know someone who manipulates people and is kind of in charge of it, she just starts falling apart. Like, I, yeah, yeah, she loses the uh, charm. She loses her charm. Like she becomes. I think she quickly realized that if if she does this again, he's probably gonna get killed. You know, she, he'll probably kill uh, 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 James Woods' character. What's what's his, uh, Lar- what's his name again? Lester Diamond. Lester Diamond. Yeah. Lester Diamond. Lester yeah, Diamond. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> Lester Diamond is the best name for a pimp. <laughs> And so, yeah, that does break her. Uh, she she falls apart. I think she realizes she has really no control in this whole right. thing. But also, she's also not being honest. Like, I think, I think things would have been different if she was just honest about it. But she just doesn't. She can't do that. It's not in her character. It's mm-hmm. who they are. It's who they are. And I think that's part of what Ace saw in her was that you know, at the end of the day, he's a guy when he's running the casino is a big part of what he's doing is manipulating people. He's getting them to gamble. He's getting them to bet on things. He's, he's yeah. getting them to spend money. That's not theirs. Cause he talks <laughs> about sending people home to their bank examiners and stuff. So he's admitting, Hey, they're stealing money to come here and give, 
to me. And, you know, she's a hustler. She's used to getting, she's the same as Ace in that regard. They are, he recognizes something in her that they are similar in manipulating people. And I think the point comes where she realizes she doesn't have the ability or control anymore to do that. And, yeah. she, and you know, she's, she is just being used. She's just being controlled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, it's an interesting, she has quite the arc. Uh, she, she, the first scene of her, she just looks so vibrant and yeah. happy and beautiful. And the last scene of her, it's rough. Yeah. Which isn't a yeah. Courtney love at her worst. Yeah, which she did actually die of a hot dose oh, because the guy who was, you know, to um, Ace was in real life actually did order a private autopsy to find out about it. And she wow. did have like only 3,600 in, in mint condition coins left. So, yeah, out of wow. like $2 million or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep, out of all of that she had. Damn. And, and that was a lot of money at the time back then. Like, <laughs> yeah. that, it's, yeah, it's yeah. still a lot, a lot of money today, but god damn. Yeah, you would have been okay forever if you weren't completely shoving that up your ass. You know, if you were actually doing something smart with it. Two million dollars, I might consider the pishy offer. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. I mean, it would be considerable. And also, like if you think about it, um, if you had like a time machine, you went back and you you had two million dollars in 1985 or whatever. Because this take this movie takes place like between what 80 and no three years. Only- was that it's only set, uh, 10 years it takes place 73 to 83 that is yeah, the, the, the beginning when the car explodes says 1983 or remember yeah that. okay okay but if i had that kind of money in the 80s like i would just be like looking for companies to invest in like imagine if you could just go and invest in google way back when it was like cheap as shit or i would have invested it all in blockbuster or something you know, <laughs> these hey, guys are onto something. I would have invested it in Coke at least. I mean, come on, that was a big time for it. <laughs> Me and Ginger would have ended up together, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Those are like all the guys that have like Bitcoin and shit right now. They're like, they, right. no, they don't know what to do with it. They're like, oh fuck. Yeah. It, you just never know. You never know what's gonna hit. Mm-hmm. Just never know. Uh, and oh, another scene that I really like that I really wanted to touch on, by the way, is the scene where he's talking about people who try to cheat the system yeah. and try to, uh, and, and he gets into that and he's, you see the, the two guys that are working together from a distance <laughs> and he's yeah. like giving him a little coat. Isn't it like, he's got like a little, a little fucking vibrating thing. Like it is yeah, it's, it's almost like a, was it a telegraph machine that yeah, he had like a little- to his leg? So one guy is uh, sitting so that he can see the dealer's card and he can basically with his toes or uh, I think it's with, he can tap out a message and the other guy, it taps him on the thigh and basically tells him what the dealer's whole card is mm-hmm. so they can bet uh, appropriately. And, yeah. Uh, pretty and cool. They take, they take care of some shit, man. It's it's crazy because they fuck up tap guy. They 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 don't even fuck up the guy playing the cards. They fuck up the, the other guy. Yeah. Well, all right. If you're was it when watching the movie, if you actually if you take a look at it during that scene before they actually you know, bring the guys to the back back room, you can actually see Scorsese, you know, pretty much dimming the lights on you know the rest of the floor and just showing this sort of um, you know oval slash halo around all of the security guards that are surrounding those right. two guys, which was uh... at least six of them. He and does that, that 
a lot during the movie with the spotlighting. Mm. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I love the spotlighting. I hate Ace's clothing. That that guy's the worst. Oh, come on, of- man. Dude, it's sherbet color. That outfit in the beginning, the pink shirt with a different shade pink tie and the mm-hmm. pink coat. It's like, ah, uh, and white pants and white come shirt. On. Come on, that's stylish. I mean, Charlie would rock that shit. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> that's not always a good thing. Like, Charlie, he's got some style to him, but I still don't think he would wear a sherbet suit or some shit like that. Like, this motherfucker coming out like a creamsicle, dude. Uh, and then, and then, of course, was it the scene where Ace is in his office just before he goes to he talks to LQ Jones? He's got to fucking stand up, and you see his legs. Uh, I know he's doing that Seinfeld thing where uh, I wonder if he knew Kramer because like, he's like, hang your pants <laughs> up, you know, and, and when well, you're sitting down, walking yeah, uh, the powder blue suit. Yeah, and the, was it the powder blue socks as well? Yeah. Everything was color coordinated, including the garters. And what pisses me off the most is that all that is probably like five, ten thousand dollars suits, which is right. insanity to me. Insanity, but that—that's kind of the way things. Like if you watch, like um, uh, when NBA players are coming in for a game and they sh- they show what they're wearing and it, they look like hobos or like it looks like fucking crazy ass bullshit. That stuff is worth that much. So it's like, it's not so much the look as much as it is showing other people like, hey, like it's the representation of what it means. It's the symbolism of it. Like I make a lot of money so I can dress like this. And so it's okay to look like a fucking creamsicle or a a flamingo pissing on itself. Just watching. I'm just like, and I know it's the 80s. I get it. I get it. But, no, it was yeah. the 70s at that point. Oh, it was? Yes. Okay, dude, where's... It is rough to look at, man. But, yeah, I love that scene where he's, he's in his boss. He's like, I oh. love – that is such a good strategy, though, where he says, like, call me back in four minutes or whatever. Right. That is that is some boss-ass shit. I got I to gotta start using that. That's and that's the scene with LQ Jones. LQ yeah. Jones is the person coming yep. in and talking to him. Our man of the hour, literally almost an hour in, he comes into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then he exits because I think it's just the one scene. It's... <laughs> <laughs> well, he kind of reminds you of like Satan in a way because like he's sort of like he comes in. He's like, are you sure that yeah. you want to fire my because was it his nephew or something like that? Um, yeah. uh, it was his brother-in-law. nephew or brother-in-law. Uh, either something way, like he that. was pretty fucking stupid. So he's connected. Yeah. And the. Mm-hmm. And it's so it sucks for such a tits on a boar hog. (laughs) Yes, he's like, I get it, I get it. He's Mm -hmm. he just starts laughing. Yeah, I get it. Don is as useless as tits on a boar. Oh, he's my brother-in-law, and I would look on it as a favor. It's a it's a shame, man. That that it's a shame that uh, honestly, this was kind of the downfall of of Ace's time. At the it casino, mm-hmm. this begins because he gets a little too cocky, man. He cares about the job too much, and I but, and I get it. You should, but it, this much, like well, over, it's, you it's know, also the control thing. Like, and yeah, this, this is one of the things. LQ Jones is saying, "Hey, let's make this deal. I have a lot of power here. You know, I have mm-hmm. a lot of pull. I'm not asking for a lot. Just keep my idiot brother-in-law employed. Yeah, and you know, we can we can grease the wheels, and it's yeah. just." He wouldn't do it. He, you know, just just wouldn't do it. 
The fact yeah, he even says like you could give him a shittier job. I don't care if he's yeah. you know wiping senior citizens' asses in the bathroom. I don't give a fuck. Like just as long as he's employed. Right. Yeah, I mean honestly, you know, Ace could have just you know paid him not to come in, and everything would have still been fine. But yeah, it's just yeah. So uh, <laughs> it was it was a combination of his ego, and I guess you want to say maybe even hubris, perhaps if I'm using that correctly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, it's just like, you know, as you said, you know, Ace was smart, but he was blinded by his own ego and hubris. And so he just yeah. it was supposed to be like something simple. You fire him, get rid of him. But he didn't realize how much damage that would end up doing yeah. in, in addition to Ginger. Yeah, he doesn't understand like how deep shit goes because mm-hmm. you're coming in here like you're not from here. And you're coming in here and we're allowing you to run these casinos because we're all connected. You're giving us a hookup. We're all we all have our hands in the pot and we're letting you run this. But don't ever forget that we're the first motherfuckers that 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 really started running this bitch. And I think he just sees a cunt in a cowboy hat and he's like, nah, fuck you. I don't give a shit about your stupid mustache. And that's what happens when you fuck around with a guy with a good mustache. Mm -hmm. Your whole life falls apart. Well, yeah, it's that funny. it's funny. Ace completely gets like the hierarchy of the mafia and the family, and oh, I have to be differential to this person. And yeah. I had, you know, he gets that. But this, it's it's kind of a parallel, but he's just blind to it. It's like it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's because he's being told what to do by so many people, like by all these bosses and stuff, and mm-hmm. he's being influenced by so many people. I think he ran out of people that he wanted to be told what to do by as well. Like, I think <laughs> like after a while, you're like, you know what? Fuck that. You know, I that guy sucks. <laughs> Your fucking family member's a piece of <laughs> yeah. shit. I don't want to. You just get he just he got fed up at the at the wrong time in the wrong place, and it screwed him over, man. It Because that scene really did I felt bad for him because I'm like, ah, you're fucking up. Can't you tell by it's LQ Jones? Look at his face. This guy's not fucking around. Yeah. <laughs> he is gonna fuck you over. And yes, and that's what he does. He fucks but him over. Joe Bob Briggs was so stupid. You know, I can understand why <laughs> I was so bad about it. <laughs> he plays that guy so well. Dude. I couldn't I didn't even know he was in this film. I guess I'd never seen the scenes with him mm-hmm. uh in the past. And so when I finally saw, I was like, holy shit. And then I looked him up now, and I'm like, God damn, how old is he? <laughs> oh, God, he's, he's got to be in his 70s at, 70. at this point. Hey, oh, okay. Right before he's 70. Well, mm-hmm. he keeps trucking, man. He's still yeah. kicking ass to this day. So Yeah, and honestly, you know, I also have to mention, and of course, you know, Joe Bob Briggs, you know, he started out as a, a film critic, you know, before mm-hmm. long before you know, him doing the drive-in stuff. Uh, and just I remember reading some of his books and just – how much research and time and effort and how good his writing is, is you would, it's so easy to actually underestimate him, especially if he's in a, a role like that. As you think, you know, you can't quite yeah. imagine how smart he actually is. And it's just right. quite impressive. So. Yeah. I think, I think he, he understands. I think I, one of the best things about him is he's seen, he's probably seen so many fucking films. Mm-hmm. I think he knew I, I turn on the accent just a little bit. And you just, that's the thing is like, it's a very stereotypical mm-hmm. accent. And it does, it, it is a big thing where people hear like a Southern type of cowboy type accent. And you just think that person isn't smart. And that is just not the case a lot of times. Mm-hmm. It is the case sometimes, but <laughs> it's not that's the case. Awesome. 
Sometimes it's true. It's Sometimes it's true. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But anyone can be stupid. Let's just—it's it, uh, stupid. It does not see any anything about where you're from or who you are. If you're stupid, you just you're just fucking stupid. Nothing... <laughs> One thing. Uh, speaking of stupid, is in in the movie. Tim Yobo. Like... Oh. <laughs> yeah, that one. Yobo. Um, <laughs> the uh, the whole downfall and everything really has nothing to do with the cops and the FBI. You know. The whole time, they're kind of in the background observing and watching and doing stuff, but they're never effective. You know? <laughs> no, no, they aren't. Right, yeah. It's the Joe Pesci and, and Robert Nero do it to themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah, and uh, the guy who plays Artie Piscato, out of the guy, the underboss of the Casey, who took over for John Nance from the skim, but, of course, he had to keep records, so that didn't help either. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame, man, because you're right. The, they do make <laughs> they do make the cops and the FBI look like complete dipshits. And even when they do get involved, it's still not impressive. Incompetence. <laughs> the scene where the airplane uh, lands on the golf course that, that really happened in real life. Mm-hmm. Yep. What? And yeah. I think isn't Mickey say something like he gives yeah. he offers money for whoever can shoot the plane down? Yeah. yeah. If you need it with a golf ball. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, was it? They didn't actually run out of uh, gas. There was actually a mechanical issue with the plane. But yes, uh, <laughs> that did actually happen. Yeah. And so, oh god, oh man, I I'm so curious if um Ace's mansion is still up because that place looked legit, dude. Mm. It's probably it's probably way more populated now. But it, it he had like look like he did it. He had like a whole like greenway behind him. Yeah. Yeah, he was on the golf course. Damn, yep. that's that's a living right there. That's fucking high class a, living. His pool was shaped like a V, and I can't even imagine why would you want a pool shaped like a V. I mean, I do now, but <laughs> it, it never occurred to me before I saw that. Well, you were you just were thinking small, man. You just went yeah. in a round shaped pool, no V. What the fuck, yeah, <laughs> dude? You gotta watch out for that corner when you get down. There. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta be ow, careful, dude. Ow, ow, ow. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Oh man, yes, he he I love like I like I do like the glitz and glamour of this film. I am a sucker for like I especially 70s and 80s rich people homes. I think they are so over the top and like the yeah. de- the way they're decorated. I oh. love that shit. I love the gold and the the, the stone walls, stone walls, the weird use of glass. Like they used to use those like you know those little cubes of glass that you yeah, can kind of see through but gla- you- yeah, the frosted glass. Yes, yeah. frosted glass. I love mm-hmm. shit like that. So, several years, many years ago, a friend of mine got married, and he got married down in Orlando. And we had the he had the reception at one of his new bride's relative's house. And as best I can guess, this house had been maybe a porn producer in the seventies house or something. Oh, nice. Love this place. It had a kidney shaped pool. It had mirrors on the wall with gold flakes on it. Deep shag carpeting. It had uh, uh, what, uh, like carpeted mushrooms that you sat on for conversation <laughs> and stuff. And it had a gate out the front that said, uh, in front said Shangri La. Oh, yeah, dude. That is my shit, dude. So that is many STDs. <laughs> the amount of coke that went through that household, I yeah. guarantee you, was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Ooh, they used a dumbwaiter to take it up to the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, a sunken living room? That would be fucking killer, oh. too, dude. 
man, that's when they had carpet in the bathroom, dude. Oh yeah. Oh god, <laughs> carpet in the bathrooms. Carpet in the bathroom is so fucking gross. But uh, I understand. Oh, at some point, dude, I gotta admit, whoever ran the carpet game in the uh, in the eighties, legends. The way they convince people to cover beautiful wood floors with carpet, just legends. I, I mean, and I'm thankful for them because I've bought old. I've, I had a 1927, I think it was, uh, home for a few years, and the wood was it was the original wood, looked beautiful, and I asked the realtor like, how is how is it look this good? Are you like for real? This is the original wood. She's like. It was covered in carpet in like in the fifties, and then they just put new carpet in the seventies, and then they put new carpet in the nineties, and then we just ripped it all off, sanded it down, waxed it back up, and it was good to go. I was like, "Well, thank God for the carpet industry." <laughs> Imagine that guy. It's like, you know, see this beautiful wood floor, this beautiful hard pine floor you have here, the gorgeous red color. Let's cover it in some baby shit green shag. <laughs> <laughs> Your feet will never be cold, even yeah. though you live in San Antonio, where mostly it's hot. But... We're going to make it out of petroleum, so it will be sweaty, and it will burn if you ever drop anything on it. So it's yeah. like... How do you feel like having a swamp in your house? Oh, you just get some shag carpeting. Yeah, oh. yeah don't put your nose to it, because <laughs> that you're going to the... catch something, man. It's going to smell like the swamp. Oh, man. But anyway, so... <laughs> Back to you. I, I love that we broke off into um, <laughs> the, the households and the the, the design it and fashion. The, it was the style at the time. Yeah. It's nice. I, I do enjoy seeing that kind of stuff. I, I think it's a good time because it's something I can't. Um, even when I bought that house, it was it was a nicer house than I would have ever grown up in. And so, like, I think it's cool to just see how people with a little more money were living back in the day, even even when it was old, like when it was older. Like, it's kind of fun. I like that. I like old cars too. Like old rich people cars are so much fun. They have like a million buttons for, like, yeah. for everything. <laughs> just being fun, doesn't it? Just every yeah. aspect. <laughs> like I get it. It, feels, it seems nice. <laughs> Seems like a good time. You just gotta uh, be willing to let Joe Pesci have his way with you. Was... <laughs> now she's getting creepy again. Ah, uh, Joe Pesci, man, I love him in this fucking film, dude. He's so <laughs> kick ass. Yeah, because eventually, like, he decides he he. I can't remember. Does he he just wants to come? Like, he, at this point, he just wants to come. Well, he wants to come on me, but he wants yeah. to go to Las. <laughs> he wants to go to Las Vegas, and doesn't Ace Ace basically tells him, like, hey, man. Look, you can come by, you can have have a good time, but don't do anything crazy. Don't do anything too noisy. So one of the things that was going on in Vegas at the time is that it, it was operated by the mob, but essentially it was a um, it was a no one could do business there. The mob was like, we're making a ton of money off of gambling. We don't need people breaking into stores. We don't need people running uh, stadiums. We don't need that. We're making as you know, we're making a ton of money without that. So, so none of the uh, going to businesses and being like, "Hey, you owe me for protection and all yeah, that." Yeah, there was shit. none of that yeah. out there. It was yeah. like we're making money without that. We don't want to bring any heat. And yeah. so that's that's a big part of why his character got killed was that he was interfering with the take. You know, he's out there acting as the boss, doing kind of lower level crimes, but he's bringing heat on the casinos. Yeah. yeah, I mean, to the point where he, at some point in the uh, in the film, he can't even go in any more casinos anymore. <laughs> he's yeah. 
basically so, black blackballed his way out of uh, being able to enjoy a casino because yeah, he's in the book, a book that apparently what who else is in it? Fucking what Pablo Escobar? Oh, <laughs> Pablo yeah. Escobar. Two names are in there. One of them is still Al Capone. <laughs> Fucking Al Capone, dude. At that point, was he even alive at that point? What he still? Oh, no, he he was long oh, gone. God. There's a, a this photo of Al Capone fishing in his own. He's like fishing in his swimming pool because like he lost his fucking mind with the syphilis, syphilis I guess. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, damn, that's a talk about like a, a, a killer downfall all the way down to like, well, let's see what we can catch in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know, he's, laughs> poor guy. Dude. Well, not poor guy. The guy's kind of a cut. But yeah, at the same time. Shit. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> he was good at his job. <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, so yeah, Nick Nicky goes through there. He starts he starts rusting shit up. Eventually he starts uh robbing like jewelry stores and getting diamonds and stuff like this guy's like a bad guy from an old Batman film. Like yeah. he's doing all kinds of shit like honestly, Vegas could have used the Batman um at this point. Uh there wasn't because the I mean, he's the one that the, you couldn't buy him out. You couldn't buy it because he's already rich, he doesn't need the yeah. money. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I think I think that's why back then it was easier to get law enforcement, especially local law enforcement, not so much the FBI, but local law enforcement to kind of see a blind eye to some things is they weren't making a lot of money back then, man. Like no. you could really buy them out pretty easily, I bet. Mm-hmm. They're all from that area. They're from the community. Most guys that become I mean, I know several guys from my neighborhood that became cops and they're some of the meanest fuckers that like. I had friends that have gone stopped by them and they're thinking they're going to get, you know, he's, they're going to give them like a little bit of a leeway or, you know, let you go on a warning. Fuck. No, they, they're like harder on you than they are with anyone else. It's like, what the fuck? But it's just, it's just the way it is. Damn. They got power now, you know, because it's never like the cool guy from school. It's like the guy they got fucked with. And now he just wants to like my experience and your, your experience may vary, but my, the, the line between criminal and cop, pretty narrow yeah for people who ended up in the career uh you know they could have gone either direction yeah (laughs) (laughs) the path is 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 right there you just figure out where you want to go it was one path for a long time before it split off true yeah it was kind of intertwined (laughs) yeah Yeah. it was a little intertwined (laughs) you know it's gotten a little better but i I would imagine back then it was even oh my god like it must have been bonkers i mean they even there's scenes um you know, in this film where you have law enforcement interacting with Ace and they know about each other's kids and family and shit. Mm-hmm. Like they were definitely rubbing elbows. You know, they got to know each other. I don't I thought that scene was really funny. Uh, it was later in the movie where uh Ginger's having a breakdown at the house and she's getting her stuff out. Like it is a <laughs> it's an ugly scene. She's smashed into his car, the cops are there and everything, and the cop is talking to Ace. He's like, Oh yeah, my wife's pregnant. He's like, Yeah, congratulations, man. It's like <laughs> it's just like in all of this chaos, they're just having that conversation. <laughs> well, if you think about it, they're both people that have an occupation where this is what they see all the time. Like they've they've been around this kind of domestic shit, chaos chaotic shit. For so long, they could. It's it's nothing they haven't seen. So it's like, yeah, a, I hope you're doing good. <laughs> I did like that. I did. Like, I love how like Robert Deere, like Ace, like how he slowly, he seems kind of humble at first. And they first show him, but then eventually, like this guy is always in a nice robe, 
He's always smoking a cigar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, cig- with the cigarette holder, actually. Oh, the cigarette holder. Yeah. That's right. I love that scene where him and Nikki, that first time where they, they kind of have an argument there because I forget what – um. Oh, he was at risk of losing his uh, – or them finding out he doesn't even have his license, mm-hmm. right? Because LQ yeah. Jones decides to to get back at him uh, for for him not keeping his uh, – what's his name? Whoever it is, uh, Joe Bob, on his on his payroll. <laughs> yeah, it's also around the time that Nick – was it that uh, they start, um, I guess, uh, equating uh, Nikki to Sam. So essentially yeah. uh, putting the, both of them together, or Sam's getting worried about – uh, you know, when he goes for the license, if he's going to lose it because of Nikki he, and all he's brought. So, oh, yeah, that's pretty much where they're butting heads and stuff. And then Nikki go, oh, is your whole, you got a cigarette holder like John Barrymore. So. <laughs> yeah, John Barrymore. <laughs> By the way, when he says Sam, Sam and Ace are the same person. If you've never seen this movie, y'all, mm-hmm. they're the same. Is the same. It, yeah. Uh, Ace is his, uh, his, Sam, tag, his Ace nickname. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Rothstein. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love that scene. I like how they're going back because it really does show. <laughs> he says a, a fucking pink robe because he's wearing a pink robe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm looking at the script actually because <laughs> I was wondering what he was saying in that scene. Yeah, he starts talking some bad shit to him, but like as usual, like Ace's character, like he keeps his cool all the time. He never mm-hmm. gets too crazy. He lets Nikki kind of let it all out, let all the frustration out, and they're they're both kind of. Oh, and then that's when Nikki starts bringing up, like, you know, you're not treating your wife right, mm-hmm. and she's not happy, and blah, blah, blah. And that was the first little sniff of, yeah. yeah, where Ace is like, there's something going on here <laughs> that doesn't seem too good. Yeah, and so. then it was it's also the case where Ginger is not telling Nikki the whole story about, you know, what Sam right. has and done even though yeah, sam he, was filtered yeah, version of everything yeah even though sam is controlling and all all that he does love ginger and he wants to make sure that she's going to be nope. okay he never hits her once i don't think he kind of like when it gets really bad he he manhandles her a little bit but i mean hey mm. it was the 80s uh <laughs> 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 yeah, this is a comedy podcast everybody just in case mm. you wanted to know but like he never really does like abuse physically abuse her like no matter and she does and says horrible things to him Mm-hmm. Like you could tell, he does genuinely love her. He doesn't want to hurt her, you know. Other, other than like hurting her, you know, her uh, ex boyfriend, her her, her, yeah, her pimp boyfriend, and list that diamond, that list of diamond. Yeah, he hurts her emotionally. He emu- emotionally abuses her more than he does physically. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. There is a little physical in there, but yeah, it, it is mostly emotional abuse. But I mean, you're dealing with a guy who literally is a criminal. <laughs> What do you expect? Like a real Mm -hmm. pampered living? You want him to massage your back tonight? He says that in the movie, you know, everywhere else in the country, he's a criminal, but in Las Vegas, he's an executive. Yeah. And he's getting awards. Yeah. Yeah, because that's when he gets that award with the Teamsters, and uh, no, we it was, uh, no, it was uh, from the was it uh, Las Vegas Country Club where he lives. Oh, that's right. Yeah, business person of the year. (laughs) So awesome. Mm Hmm. I have done that. I have been in those situations. I won't name any names or anything specific, but where like a business is getting awarded for something. And I'm like, God, there's just something about that business. I just know there's something going on. Like you just, you can just sense it. Like it's a little gray area there, but Hey, you know, 
to each their own. As long as you get a, as long as you can get away with it, yeah, just fucking rock and roll, baby. I mean, mm. what are you gonna do? Enjoy your time, make some money. Um, we haven't talked a lot about Kevin Pollock's character, Philip wow. Green. I thought he did a great job too. I thought it was very understated, but I mean, could you imagine being Kevin Pollock? He you know, he what he started off as a comedian, I think. He's great, he's mm -hmm. famous for his impressions. He's one of the very first Christopher Walken famous impressionists right. yep. who's it's been overused a million times. But I can't imagine how he must have felt. I'm sure he's talked about it and he has his own podcast and he's he's done a bunch of interviews, obviously. But I can imagine how nervous he must have been going into that situation, getting this job offer with the De Niro and a Joe Pesci and of course mm -hmm. uh uh Riggles. Uh, am I saying? Uh, I mean, am I saying that right? Um, Rickles. Oh, Don Rickles. Yeah, Don Rickles, like who's a legendary comedian, and I mean, I don't know. I would have been fucking nervous. I would not. It's it's kind of it's kind of great that he plays the character he plays because he really needed to be someone that was sort of under the radar and just right. just kind of just going through the motions and making sure you're professional and all that. Yeah, because like you don't want to try and like go beat for beat as a comedian with Don Rickles. No, you know, it, it would be disrespectful almost to do yeah. that. Well, it's also the case with Don Rickles in this movie. I mean, he's, he plays it so subdued, like nothing so like, straight. yeah, it, it absolutely. Like there's, there's no joke. Very straight. With, yeah. Yeah. The only thing he does that is a very Don Rickles thing. He goes better down here than the air. He does that little oh, thing, yeah. and I'm like, because yeah. when he's getting that Asian guy out of the plane, because he's saying that the plane's messed up, and he's like, hey, well, you know, the, we're having so many issues with these dang planes. It's such a shame, but hey, it's better down here than up in the air. And I'm like, he does like a thing with his finger, and I'm like, okay, he can't help it. He's funny as fuck. It's just like a little nuance to it. But yeah, you know, for the most part, yeah, he, he plays a pretty, he plays the manager of the casino, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. Is that his character's name? Uh, I Billy think, Sherbert, yeah, yeah, Billy Sherbert. That's a hell of a name too. That also sounds like a pimp. <laughs> <laughs> um, Billy Sherbert's the name. <laughs> Controlling bitches is my game. Uh, it's <laughs> so yeah, and he's sort of the right hand man of Ace, uh, and and he's sort of there to keep the business going and and help him out and give him a call if something's up and he does give him a call a couple of times he gives him a call when that cowboy guy has his foot yeah. on the fucking oh. table yeah. like a real piece of shit fucking yeah. moron they really treat cowboy guys as like we're real guard like i say we're but i'm not a cowboy guy but like like you know texas there's a lot of cowboys around here like it's like oh they're a real piece they don't know how to act it proper at a casino <laughs> <laughs> put a shoe on the table we're too rooting, tooting, shooting motherfuckers. We like yeah, they they think they're still in tombstone and shit. Yeah. You know, now Daniel, if you go to Vegas, you cannot take your shoes off and you cannot <laughs> put your feet up on one of the gambling tables. Yeah, I don't think you would need to be a pretty high roller to be able to do, do that. No, you can't be a high roller to do that anyway, man. They will kick your ass out. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. I, I really like one thing in that scene because when uh, they tell him, when they tell Ace what's going on, hey, there's this guy, he's got his feet up on the table, he's got his shoes off. He's like, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to escort him out. I want you to use his head to open the door. And they do exactly yep. what he tells them to do. They literally grab him and open the door with his head. To send him out. A directive is a directive. If you want to get paid. But they were completely literal about it. It's like, okay, here we go. Head first. 
and and then of course when he gets back to Nikki and he finds out what you know, the cowboy did to you know, to Ace, you know, you it's just like, <laughs> oh yeah, he happened to be working with that fucking phone. That's yeah. right, he's one of Nikki's uh, uh, henchmen guys. Yes, like, re- real cowboy. <laughs> that's his name of the. That's what he's uh, cast no, as, it, cowboy, right? Well, no, it was in, uh, was it during Nikki's narration when he started bringing some outside players in? Yeah, you know, he's uh, he's. Say, was it he said he's bringing some cowboys uh, a couple of real okay no i'm getting uh, mixed up with the difference King, yeah. uh yeah it was a bring some yeah exactly yeah because i think yeah i think they just have him as cowboy mm-hmm. like i don't think they give this motherfucker a name dude. Yeah. misshapen head cowboy <laughs> yeah the, the guy who ends up in the vice they also call him a cowboy oh uh, yeah 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 that was yeah, that was Tony Dogs who uh, could pop his eye out of his head. That's probably the most like brutal scene. That was pretty, and they, oh. and it's like there's, it's not particularly graphic for you know. It's I'm not. Thinking. It's the thought of it. Yeah, it's mm. that's really that's a it. fucked up way to die, dude. Just getting your yeah. fucking head. That's like some saw shit, dude. Yeah, no, he didn't. It was a, his eye didn't come out completely, and then they just ended up slicing his throat. So I guess there was mercy in the end, with the exception of sticking ice picks in his balls for three days. Why did they kill that guy? He's one of the he owed the money, right, or something like that. No, he was a uh, was a he was a new mobster in town, and he ended up uh, shooting up one of uh, was it the Casey uh, boss's uh, bars, uh, Remo Gatsi. Yeah, and so, he killed like a, a kid. He, I mean, he killed like a a, a server and someone yeah, else, yeah. right? Like he killed some innocent. Yeah, yeah, yeah a waitress, a waitress who was supposed to be on her night off of all things. Yeah. Dang, mm-hmm. that just meant you were meant to die. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes, baby. But yeah, that was rough, man. I was watching that scene. I'm like, man, these motherfuckers are not fucking around. I always forget. I, you know, this movie is so much like us talking through it. Y'all, y'all bring up scenes, and I'm like, "Fuck yeah, that did happen!" Like, mm-hmm. it's crazy how it comes together. There's a lot of fucking scenes in this movie. There's a uh, lot going on. And then was it uh, two other examples of uh, brutality uh, going all the way back when uh, was it uh, Sam caught those uh, cheaters? And you know, the hammer scene with the hand. Oh that, yeah. yeah oh yeah, I, we talked a little bit about that, but yeah, we did talk about their punishment when they catch them. Yes, they mm-hmm. use that hammer. Yeah, you know, checking. Can you, you know, can you do your checks with your right hand? Oh, uh, I never tried. <laughs> so he just, <sighs> just, I mean, crushes every fucking bone in that hand. Uh-huh. It and honestly should have looked worse. Mm-hmm. They didn't make it too mangled, but that shit would have been like, <laughs> <laughs> that and- shit would have been broken as fuck. Yeah, and then of course was it the like the last you know sort of uh, uh, gruesome scene is uh, was it Nikki and his brother out in the cornfield? Oh, that one's rough. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's one of it's probably one of my favorite. Um... <laughs> wow, <laughs> man, you got some issues there, Daniel. I well, I know. Have <laughs> you listened to the podcast? Fair enough. Uh, but no, that is one of my favorite like gangster retaliation mm-hmm. or like punishment scenes I have seen in a long time. That is top five for me. That is amazing. And it wasn't even, uh, you know, like what we were, t- what I was talking about earlier. I mean, granted, everyone's, you know, like gore level or grotesque level is different depending on what you've seen. But I can tell you that the, the, me and the two gentlemen on this podcast have seen pretty gory films like we <laughs> see probably shit that 
would make people sick. But I love how effective this is. I think it's partly because it's his brother and he has to watch it first. Mm-hmm. Then could you imagine seeing it and having it someone you love, then knowing, oh, I have to do it, I have to go out the same way, and it's just all bats. It's just bats. Yeah, and mm-hmm. there are a couple of things. One, they are humiliated, like they're stripped. Yes. Like there's a humiliation and the sound design with the, the aluminum oh. bats. That's that's the thing one of the things that really is that sound design. Yeah, I had headphones on during that scene. I could hear that ringing. Uh, that, you know, you've played with everyone's uh, aluminum bats. They make a distinct got that ring s- when you hit yeah. somebody. Specific sound and on a skull, mm-hmm. you'd imagine it's just about the same. If you're mm-hmm. hitting the shit out of a baseball, mm-hmm. and it yeah. is rough. And I, th- I did like this the choice of using a. Um, I, I'm, I haven't looked behind the scenes or anything, but I'm pretty sure they used a uh, slightly animatronic type. Yes, face yeah. for Joe Pesci's. Mm-hmm character mm-hmm. yeah especially when they were burying them <laughs> pretty much those were two giant sized dummies that they did but the reality was they did actually bury both of them alive you know Dang. according to the autopsy report so that's just another actual fact you know of what happened to them in the movie and in real life so but yes yeah. they use the animatronic you know uh dummy right it looked mm-hmm. good for 95 that shit looked pretty decent i was like mm-hmm. holy shit they, that looks like pesci's weird face yeah. yeah especially when the blood was coming out of it oh man <laughs> yeah it was he was gurgling blood and shit mm-hmm. he's barely holding on to life and then the next thing you know you have a fucking pile of dirt in your mouth <laughs> yep. it's like damn that sucks dude oh. sucks to be you bro yeah that that scene is rough man like mm-hmm. i did not um that's also a scene I didn't see. I knew I I knew he uh, that he dies in it. I didn't know that's how he died in it, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Holy shit, dude, that is fucking rough." But it did. It, it didn't. He only get popped because, as uh, anyone who's seen this film, and we mentioned it earlier, it starts off with Ace's car getting exploded. He walks in, he turns on the classic, turns on the ignition. The car explodes. It goes into these cool credits of like all these cool colors and, you know, it's Vegas and stuff. I love that they have like a, I just mentioned this in my notes that they have like a little flying guy going <laughs> throughout the credits. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> a little flying guy getting thrown out of his car. Think, so that no, makes I, you think that he died. I, I don't think that was a guy getting thrown out of the car. I think that's a guy committing suicide at a casino after losing all his money because it's not <laughs> ace he's got a different clothes it's it is not eight that's what i was saying that's why those is a random guy flying no it was that actually, makes more sense no it was actually supposed to be a ace but you could also take it as you know you lost all your money you can kill yourself right. uh, because it was pretty much just a silhouette of ace kind of you know sort of tumbling down sort of yeah. essentially uh, it's the end of the, it's the end of the story he's his downfall essentially but what happened to get to that point yeah, and it, and it turns out that whoever you know that it was Nikki that actually did that. He's the one that greenlit putting the fuse on the car and and getting that done. But it happens that Ace lives because he has a metal plate under his. Uh, he has a specific model of car mm-hmm. right. as protection, as a metal plate under the the driver or the under passenger driver's side and. That gives him just enough time where he survives, but he, he they go back and they find out that it, it was Nick Nick uh, that did it, and so his, his own guy, like his own, it, it's he's like the side, he's like the henchman for the Joker in Batman nineteen eighty nine. You know that guy? He's like, you uh, are my number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rest in peace, Jack Palance. <laughs> yeah, but uh, 
<laughs> was that uh, now with that? Yes, of course. Uh, Nikki was the one who actually uh, ordered it. And, but the thing about the car, it was uh, that model year. Uh, they had there was like a, a counterbalance issue, so they put in a metal plate on the driver's side. So once again, that actually did happen, and it was the only thing that actually saved him from actually getting blown up. Jeez, talk about just fate. It's just lucky just son of a luck. bitch. Yeah. That is amazing, dude. Um, yeah, like the fact he's able to survive that, and it's just it's interesting. Like, but like what we were talking about earlier, like I think it makes sense why they kept him around. Yeah, he he was just more useful. Mal survived his car getting exploded. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can see why the the mob was like, "Ah, eh, why not? We'll we'll keep up. We'll give him a job because he changes jobs multiple times. He starts off as like a PR guy, which is what I do for a living. <laughs> that, I know. I know, and then he. Got, we don't need to talk about so, it. Wait, I just, I just had a, made a connection that instead of having a TV show now, he would have had a podcast. Oh, <laughs> if they updated it, yeah. yeah, yeah, he'd be on YouTube right now. Yeah. We, got, sure. we got Sam A. Segura here on the statue. <laughs> These guys are trying to fuck with me, and they're a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, your fucking ego got in the way, didn't it? <laughs> His ego, I mean, dude, if, for him to have the balls, like, they literally tell him to be quiet, and he fixed the he picks the loudest thing to do, which is to be on a TV show. Yeah, speaking, right. speaking of which, juggling balls on his show with Charlie Callis cheering him on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was like, oh, dude. I mean, the movie makes you think he's going to get us, like, he's going to get killed. Like, he's going right. to get assassinated at some mm. point. And it's just so interesting that they never decided to pull the trigger on him, that it was, you know, it was just Nikki that decided to do that. But it was really no one above them, above Nikki. And so it goes to show you, even with all those antics, he just, there's, when you have that specific skill that he had, they were like, well, he's still good for something. He's still going to make us money. Because even after all that, he still makes money. He's going to earn. And Mm -hmm. so that was his saving grace is he made him money. Yep. And then, of course, his, it was his uh, mansion in Palm Springs with the three TVs behind him still working the, the books and all, all that. I want that place. I know, man. It's so nice. He's got by at this point when they show him in the <laughs> he's got these big old man guy. He looks like the, the grandpa from from up. <laughs> it's amazing, dude. Oh my god! But yeah, I know. I I had a great time um, just watching this this crazy epic of like so many things going on. I actually learned a lot too, just because I don't know a lot about the history of Vegas. So it, it's it acts a little bit of a a historical piece because it is fairly accurate to yeah. uh, to the real story. It, it does show you it, it does show you that little line based on a true story. I'm not sure. You know, Steve and Robbie, y'all might know better than me, but I'm not sure how accurate everything is. But it seems. Everything seems pretty realistic. Yeah, it, it was. And, and all the way down to after, you know, the, the mob got out of there, junk bonds rebuilt it. Yeah. So you can thank Michael Milken for that one. Kids, look it up. And, you know, um, Holy shit. In, in, on my day job, I'm a teacher. And one of the things I've taught in the past is actually casino management. And so I would actually use clips from this movie because nice. there are parts of it that are accurate. It's really hard to do because they use the F word 450 <laughs> times. And so, you know, it's kind of hard to use in a class. Come but on, they're sh- old enough. <laughs> but short scenes of it would actually be really accurate, like when they're in the count room and stuff about things that are going on in the background. 
Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is it is remarkably accurate in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I like that they show. So, there's so many. Um, uh, what do you call the the act? Like not. I guess they're kind of like stand-ins or like background actors. Like they, there's so many employees that they had to like have as background actors. Right. And they all look like real employees and they all look confused when the FBI, because they, you know, at the end of the movie, they show the FBI coming in because they finally have enough evidence to be able to um, get all these guys in the slammer. And they come through and they go through the casino and all the workers are like, what? Because as, as far as the workers are concerned, I'm just getting paid every yeah. two weeks and just mm-hmm. doing a job. Hey, I'm a cook. You know, that's what I'm yeah. It's like. <laughs> What do you it mean is, I need to ha- have the same number of blueberries in each muffin? It's <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, once again, yes, that did actually ha- happen. You know, it was a, the was a uh, the real life uh, you know, ace. You know, he demanded that an equal number of blueberries be put in all of the muffins. So, yes, yeah, th- yeah he was a bit of a, as you said, controlling. You know, in the situation of that, I do wonder if, like, you know, because this wasn't something that was diagnosed back then, and I know this is thrown around a lot nowadays. But I do wonder if he was a little on the spectrum. You know, if he was maybe a little autistic, mm-hmm. and he that would made him so. That's what made him so detail oriented, and also probably mm-hmm. made him good at gambling because he was very focused on yeah, the hyper focus. Yeah, yeah, that hyper focus that goes with it, and um, and also that slight having to control your environment. Mm-hmm. You know, my my ex wife is autistic and so like i lived with her for <laughs> six years and let me tell you holy shit <laughs> not a lot of people would want to come over because it was <laughs> like here are the rules it was like willie when you enter Willy wonka's factory and he goes all the way down to <laughs> finite letters well i mean you had fun with that right, right? I mean, yeah i like <laughs> the challenge <laughs> i still signed the bottom line baby uh, uh but no she she's great though i love her to death but uh it that didn't work out but like that i as i realized it i'm like yeah you know maybe ace was uh was a little on the spectrum there it could have it could have been a, a big root of a lot of the um some of the issues he has because you could unless you communicate to somebody why you are like unless you are aware that you have that you can't communicate to somebody why you are feeling a certain way or why you're thinking a certain way it could have been something like that i don't know you never know i don't know but the, I did get that vibe from it. But, yeah, he just seems so particular about so many things, and I can relate to it. I get it. You know, blueberry should be evenly distributed throughout a muffin. It's one of my favorite muffins. Yeah. Well, it's a blueberry muffin. What are you going to do with it? And honestly, I like him goopy, baby. Like, I like a goopy muffin. When he was like, look, mine's falling apart. I was like, yeah, that's mine. Like, give me give me that one. <laughs> I, want, I want the one that's kind of caked up a little bit. Like, it's a little too much in there. I'm like, I'm good with that. Give that to me. I'll take the muffin top and. I said muffin. I'll take the muffin top and oh, dip that shit in my coffee. All right, Robbie, you know what to do for him for his birthday. Oh, oh good. Yeah. I'll give me two because one I'm gonna fuck and the other one I'm gonna eat. I just oh, can't man. get that confused. I'll send you the cream filled one. That one, <laughs> <laughs> one you Jesus. <laughs> Anyways, you know I like to do an impression of all the movies that I cover. This is a I like to call quick impressions. <clears throat> Quick impressions. You fucking ward! Don't ever go over my fucking head again, you motherfucker, you! And that is an impression. <laughs> I didn't want to do the whole thank you. That's a uh, Nikki that was, Santoro. That was, good. That was a good Joe Pesci. <laughs> <laughs> 
That is Nikki Santoro getting mad at Ace Rothstein uh, in the <laughs> middle of the desert, and he was thinking that. But that's probably one of the most epic scenes in the in the film. That back and mm-hmm. forth between them is so fucking good. He's so pissed off, Nikki, mm-hmm. and I'm like, and I love that where he goes every time I talk. I met up with Nikki. I I knew there was like a ninety ten. You know, was he say I was like ninety percent sure, yeah. or ninety nine percent sure I was going to be okay, but this time I'm fifty fifty. That I'm, he might do something to me. Yeah, and he then of course, yeah, and then of course, how that sequence was shot. It's just them in the desert with their cars and nothing else around them for miles. It was just, it was it's just crazy. Yeah, it's insane, dude. I I can't imagine like having to shoot a film in the desert either. Like that. That is actually one of my favorite shots in the movie, mm-hmm. just like from a filmmaking perspective. Beautiful is when they show Nikki's car drive up in Ace sunglasses. <laughs> The big sunglasses already. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad he had them because he fucking leaves a dust cloud of sand Ooh. just going right toward. It's such a perfect. And he just stands right in, like, I'll take the heat. I get it. You're mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll stand in it. You're you're pissed yeah. off. But it's weird because they could never. Sh- they, no matter how much, I guess, tension they had or or, or anything like a conflict. You can't you can't really break the fact that you've known each other for that long. It's yeah, like old friends. Mm-hmm. I think we've all had that. I mean, I I know I've tried to punch several of my closest friends. I, I I'm sorry, but I have when I first started my band, I was a real fucking. I was also a, I also have yeah. control issues. That's why I kind of. Hey, when we went out, you punched me. You know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's harsh. <laughs> no, no, I'm a, I know because I knew you'd punch me back. I don't want to do that. I don't want to take a fucking hit in the <laughs> face from from Robbie. But but yeah, like I I used to be a lot rougher on the edges, and I would lose it sometimes. And I definitely have ha- we've had those fights we used to box each other just to kind of like just kind of like release it just to kind of get it out of the way and it was just first blood you know just whoever gets their nose bop first starts bleeding fight over bygones be bygones and that's that's how we used to do it back in the day and um and you still stayed friends you shook hands and you you moved on um and uh that's the way really real men were Not like a pussy ass generation now. I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh <laughs> damn kids. Snowflakes. God damn snowflakes. You, you Gen Zers or millennials or what the hell do they call them these days? I, I mean know. liberals. I'm just kidding. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh <laughs> I'm kidding. But yeah, no, I honestly, as you know, because I'm trying to th- I'm I'm wasting time because I don't know what to rate this film. But as you know, I like to rate these movies one of my favorite mustaches. You have the uh, full Fu Manchu recommendation for hell yeah. You have the walrus mustache recommendation for fucking pretty damn good. The horseshoe for not bad, and then the Hitler mustache for burning in hell. And you all y'all are of course as guests, especially veteran guests, welcome to create your own mustaches if you'd like, if you have something in between. I'm going to go with Robbie first because I'm pretty sure I know what Steve's going to say. But, Robbie, how would you rate this film? Well, it's funny. Um, (laughs) This movie only suffers for me in comparison to Goodfellas. uh, (laughs) Because Goodfellas exists. I would say that this is on on my desert island list of movies. This one's on there. So, for me, this is definitely a Fu Manchu. You know, uh, I'm, I'm I'm a fan of this movie. Uh, I think it's it's brilliant and it's a lot of fun. Fuck yeah, fuck yeah, I like it. How about you, Steve? 
of course, no need to create a custom mustache for this. It's absolute Fu Manchu for me. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, I'm going to give the, you know, and it's kind of interesting because Elkie Jones sports the same one. I'm going to give it top tier. It's like right. It's it's just it's it's so close. It's just a slight rub of, of Joe Pesci's penis away from becoming a, a full Fu Manchu. But it is the topest tier of Walrus mustache mm-hmm. for me personally. I think if I was just looking at it objectively as a film, it is it is a full Fu Manchu type film. I'll give you that. Like for sure. Everyone should watch this movie. I'm honestly, I'm ashamed. I feel shame that I did not watch this movie sooner. I, I'm honestly a real piece of shit and I hate myself. Whether I saw this movie or not, I feel the same way. But either way, I should have seen this movie way sooner. Wait, you didn't but... watch the movie? What the fuck? No, I still watched it. I still watched it. No, I just say no, even after watching it, I still feel like a piece of oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> But I still give it that top tier Walrus mustache. I had a great time with it. I love the individual um, performances are amazing, um, and they're 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 also uh, they're so perfectly down to earth, and nothing feels too unrealistic. Even even Ginger's character, for as wild as she is, I you know I I've been around yeah, um, drug addicts, is. and they are like that. <laughs> I've been around that person, and it is rough. And is rough to look at. And she did a and imagine trying to turn something as like imagine being in the skin of of Sharon Stone, who was absolutely fucking stunning at in 99. She's still beautiful, but in 95, holy shit. And trying to like break that down and almost make you feel sort of grossed out by her. <laughs> that takes a lot of fucking work. And that takes a lot of talent. And she knocked it out the park. So yeah, for sure. Highly recommend this film. I had a great time with it, guys. So good. Um, I'm going to go watch some Total Recall and uh, jerk off to Sharon Stone in that movie. Mm. Um, that was the first time I ever saw her. You can and- tie me up. You know, that's her line. <laughs> and she's in that little, like, because you know, like the shit that girls would wear to work out back then was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You could see yeah, it's like a really thin tube top, and then you know the spandex <laughs> on top of that. You know, and then of course there's the beginning in the movie where she shows tits, and you know it's, it's just great. Worth it. Whoever created like it's the same. Whoever created that probably the same. It was probably the the son who created yoga pants. Like they're <laughs> definitely from the same. <laughs> They're all doing his favors out there, and we we salute you. If this was like real American heroes, remember those old Budweiser commercials? Real American heroes. Jeff Mr. Spandex, wherever he is, God bless you. <laughs> Mr. Man that created the spandex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. We love you, and we salute you. Spandex. Oh, tight, 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 tight. <laughs> tight, tight on the cake. Anyway, so we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Mustachio Podcast. You know, I thought we went on some good tangents. I thought we had some good fun facts. Um, you know, we dug into a lot of fun scenes in the film. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend it. Um, anything? Do y'all have? Have y'all been on any episodes or anything? I think both of y'all have probably been doing some stuff uh, that you would like to uh, pitch. Um, I'll give it out to Robbie. Robbie, you got anything? Uh, actually, I've, after this, I've got to go watch a movie because day after tomorrow, I'm on the grind bin. Oh, nice. The Grindman Podcast. 
Check no. that out. Don't give away what y'all are going to watch. I feel like Mike yeah. likes to keep that a little close to the sleeve. Robbie, yeah. give it away. Give it away. <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be respectful. I wonder, mm. you know, Could you tell us the genre, at least? Um, no, I haven't watched it yet. Oh, <laughs> oh, you okay. don't even know the genre. You just know the name of it. Yeah, I literally just know the name of it. Do you yeah. know the? Do you know any of the actors? Are and I can probably name it off the top of my head. Um, I looked at the IMDb title and I don't even. I don't even oh, remember. I remember. You're not helping me right now. I'm curious, and it was a Fred Olin Ray produced movie. I remember that. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. It's one of those. All right. You'll tell yeah. us after we're off the air. And yeah, narrows it down for a couple of hundred. So yeah, yeah. a couple hundred. Yes. <laughs> I don't know shit. So how about you, Steve? What do you What do you got to pop off with? Uh, yeah, a few things. Um, was it uh, uh, Sunday? Uh, I actually did an episode for the Bloody Bits. Uh, first time in a long time. It was for the movie Axum. If anyone is familiar with that, currently they are doing. Uh, was it the year is nineteen ninety two for horror films, and the one I chose was arguably one of the worst movies ever made um yeah i can thank uh, i can thank eddie and tim for that <laughs> and i get oh yeah. steve sorry to step in here. i do have a bloody bits coming up because i just picked uh my movie for 93 oh goody <laughs> so, yeah, well i'm gonna have up. to i'm gonna have to move this episode up so as the listeners know i i this is probably gonna be in two weeks so yeah, I've been on a little hiatus this summer and this fall, but uh, we're coming back big time. We have plenty of episodes recorded at this point, so this will. I'm going to try to push this up a little bit because y'all's because bloody bits is turnaround is quick, so mm -hmm. <laughs> those episodes are going to get out fast. But anyway, continue, Steve. Continue. Okay, and then of course uh, was it Thursday? Well, let's see, uh, over at the grind bin, I did some minis with the guys, and um, you can faintly hear me on. Uh, probably the episode that might be coming out in a week or two for Xanadu, which, you know, was my pick. And well, apparently I was on there for maybe 20 to 30 minutes. And then you'll just hear me laughing like a jackass. Cause I was high at the time. Ah, <laughs> I thought you had an audio issue and it turns out you were just really, Oh high. no, I was high and could not speak for a good portion of it. So <laughs> thankfully, you know, thankfully Matt, Tim and Mike were there to, you know, take up the reins. Which, <laughs> So surprisingly, he, Bobby wasn't there for that one because I figured Xanadu, he would have loved it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's mm -hmm. got, uh, oh, uh, what's his name from uh, the Warriors? It's got, Warriors. It's got Swan from the Warriors, Michael yeah. Beck, man who Michael cannot Beck. act. He cannot act. He is like life. a fucking stone board. Yeah, he is. Uh, that's mm -hmm. not even a thing, a stone board. But <laughs> I was going to say a piece of wood, but I said stone board. But whatever, you get the point, you sons of bitches. I mean, he's like a void of acting, but that would just be too generous. So I'm gonna just go with a stone of acting. Yeah. You know, nothing's going in, nothing's coming out. It's just there. That was back when a good jawline could get you somewhere. You just had to have a good jawline. You can get a part back then. Yeah. I, I I would go for him in Megaforce instead. I mean, he had acting in that one, so yeah. Plus, it's fucking Megaforce, man. How are you gonna argue with that? And I think he works in the Warriors because he was supposed to be kind of stone faced, mm -hmm. and yeah. you know, like it worked better for his character. But oh yeah, speaking of which, uh, Warriors finally coming out to 4K in December through Arrow Video. 
Oh, and just a very, a very lovely deluxe package. And it's going to be, was it the director's cut and the original version, both in 4K as well, along with a, a, a nice ass book. <laughs> I was uh we actually did a little bit of a baseball furies thing years ago. Yeah. I think like two thousand and five. We did a Halloween show and me and the band dressed up. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in the show notes and I'll put a little link to my Google Drive and share that with the listeners if y'all wanna see my stupid face as a baseball fury. Yeah, absolutely. Be kind of fun. So I'll, I'll include that. I'm just notating that so that way daniel in the future hears this and remembers to do that because i don't have a producer but i'll make sure that gets done but anyway i want to thank y'all both for coming on to the show i missed y'all it's great to hear y'all i love talking about this movie with y'all as well learned a lot tonight and i hope y'all learned a lot too listeners and remember don't fall for a stupid bitch all right. If you, I'm not sour about what happened to me in eighth grade. Anyway, uh, love y'all very much, and y'all have a great night. Bye. Tell them bye, y'all. Good night, Sally. Uh, <laughs> I'm waving to my camera right now, so you can't see me. Jesus. <laughs> Thank you to all the mustachiosos out there supporting the show. Interact with the podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and now Discord. Just click on the link in the show notes. If you really love the show, visit the shop on Bonfire and get yourself a T-shirt. Mustachio Podcastio is the weird uncle of the Podmoth Media Network.